Welcome to the His Light and Life podcast with your host, Mark, who will be your guide to enhance, deepen, and enrich your Christian life. To turn your focus away from just getting by to walking with God in His light and life. Welcome back to His Light and Life. Today, I want to speak on the I want to speak on the subject of law versus grace, and it ties back very clearly to the bloodlines. A lot of the confusion that I had early on continued until I learned the difference between law versus grace, the difference between the two, and why God seemed. I mean, if you read the Bible, it very clearly portrays this image of that God is a lawgiver, and he is. That God has a standard, that God has a a, a demand, an expectation upon mankind. And after the fall, of course, the challenge is our view of God was was completely obscured, was completely marred. I mean, the strangest thing, really, when, when, you know, when the dust settles on the church and the dust settles on eternity, one of the strangest disconnects that you'll probably ever come across is when God came back to the garden after they had eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you see God calling, you know, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And then... You know, you see, you see Adam saying, well, we hid ourselves because we were afraid. And that concept of the disconnect between man and God, and to when you fully understand God's nature, Hasid, which is tender-hearted loving kindness, which is goodness and mercy towards the undeserved, which... Um, extends its hand of healing to its enemy when you when you when you factor that in to the statement that they were afraid of him it really it really gives you an insight into how big that disconnect actually was and how disjointed mankind was at the fall in his view of god and that carries over of course because we carry on this well, I, you know, I call it man in the bushes, but we carry on this, you know, I hid myself because I was afraid. And there's all through, if you look at all different ages and times and empires, you see this relationship with this God who appears on the one hand to be extending, extending an arm and blessing. And on the other, on the other hand is, is limiting that blessing by based based upon some kind of a demand some kind of an expectation and that disconnect is is very real and it's it's traceable no matter what aspect of the spiritual relationship with a deity you pursue but today i want to break it down and bring it down actually to the simple idea of law versus grace in connection to the bloodlines and show something that when it's understood it was an area of great confusion for me early on 
it's an area of confusion that is really finds its root in, in a lack of separation between the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky, the, the two descendants' lineages of Abraham. And then you follow the path of the children of Israel and you see them with this law. And then you see Jesus, who appears to be extending his hand in a different way. And there seems to be, um, you know, the God of the Old Covenant is this mean, judgmental, brooding God. And then you see Jesus walking on the shores of, the Ga of Galilee, you know, healing all those who come to him, full of mercy, grace, and truth. And then we pick up our Bibles and we look at that and we say, okay, you know, yeah, you know, love your enemies, but, you know, an eye for an eye. Yeah, you know, it says do good to those who bless you. But it says, you know, the Lord God will you know, smite thee. So we we have a challenge putting those two pieces together. Uh, and, and it's really not a confusing thing when you understand a couple of basic things. And I hope to, I hope to get to a few of those basic things today as we, as we spend some time together. This is not, um, this is not something that you can just simply hear and say, oh, okay, perfect. And off you go. It's not like a, a simple course correction on a ship. It's not like just simply changing a dial on the trajectory of something. It's not like turn, changing the thermostat in your house's temperature. This is something that you will work with and you will make steps and mistakes and steps and mistakes. But if you continue, and I want to emphasize this part, few people ever continue far enough to ever enter into the victory that's on the other side. There's, there's keys to entering into the overcoming life. And this is a big one. Um, and it's a big one because of how we are built, of the effect the fall had on us, and our view and understanding of what God is trying to do. So, because you have to pull of you have to pull those things together correctly. If they're not pulled together correctly, the area of the area of misunderstanding or the area of a lack of knowledge will be the area that will trip you up. Firstly, the the, the foundational the foundational problem, of course, is on our side. And a, and a lack of an understanding of the depth of the fall. Of the depth of the fall. The start point, in my opinion, is you have to understand something that, like the sun in the sky is to the earth, the sun in the sky never responds to the earth. Okay? The earth is always in a response to the sun in the sky. Okay. And there is no exceptions to that. And there is no exceptions to that. And in the same way that the earth is always in a position of response to the sun, the Christian is always in a position of response to God. Okay. 
He never responds to us. Now, right there, right there, every hand in the room goes up with a an objection. And I had those objections too. I had those objections as well. I know what every one of them is. And I know that they're all wrong. But I also know how hard it is to lay them down. To let them go. Man has in himself a personal sense of uniqueness. And that personal sense of uniqueness gives him an understanding or gives him a viewpoint that there's something about him or her that God needs that meets some need that he had, that meets some requirement, that what he is doing, what he wants to do, what he will do, somehow could not be accomplished without us. And that sense of uniqueness that we individually carry is the source of lots of problems. Okay? And you, you couple that sense of uniqueness with the long-standing view that man has of, quote, deities or gods or, you know, powers over mankind that, you know, dating all the way back to, you know, that this God brings the rain and this God brings the sun and this God, you know, brings abundant harvests and all the way back, this God will bring you success in hunting. This God will... You know, and if and if something happens, it's very fatalistic. It's very manifest destiny in the sense that if something doesn't happen, well, obviously the gods were not happy. And if something does go your way, you know, the gods are with thee. And it would surprise you how much of that is in the church. It would shock you. To understand how much of the Christian life is viewed through that lens by so many Christians. There's this pleased and displeased relationship to the Father God. And Jesus fills that gap beautifully. Obviously hiding in the bushes in the garden didn't work very well. But Jesus comes along and he seems to fill that gap perfectly. Because God upon the God sitting in the highs is like the children of Israel at the base of the mountain in the wilderness saying to Moses, no, you know what, huh? He's calling us all up, but here's, here's what we want you to do. You go up there and you find out what he wants. And then you come back and tell us. We'll, we'll stay here, okay? You go. <laughs> you go ahead. You, you mean, because look at that mountain. <laughs> I mean, so... There's that there's that idea of the Father God as this, you know, this uh, just unapproachable power, unapproachable. And, you know, in, in most of that, in most of he's angry. He's upset. He's, he's easily annoyed. His expectations are unreasonable. A relationship with him is unmanageable. His demands are beyond any possible scale of achievement and then jesus comes into it and, and we see this relationship and we go well no that that's that's better that's that's much much better 
he's going and he's he's coming to the he's coming to the you know he's coming to the little people it's almost like a populist movement right he's coming to the little people and he's helping the people he's he's with the people he's feeding the people he's healing the people he's teaching and encouraging the people and he's you know he knows that we're wearied and heavy laden and he's calling us to come to him for rest and that that aspect of god it's almost like okay the old testament god well, we couldn't handle that one but the, the you know jesus uh, that's a lot a lot more manageable for us so there's that disconnect and of course we relate the old testament you know god on the mountain the mountain shaking with law and we see the new testament modified version of god's relationship or views of man as grace and it's true it is true but in there we have a very very serious problem that quickly emerges because we take that we take the grace we take the 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 manageable view of god we take the we t we take we take jesus coming to us and encouraging us and comforting us and we take that relationship that sense of feeling that we get there and we try to live a holy life and we try to live a holy life and the second you do you're going to find out that it's impossible that you can't and now you're stuck with this okay i know god loves me he sent his son jesus to die for me i love him i want to live a life that's pleasing unto him and yet my life is in ruins my mind is full of full of unclean thoughts all of the time i can't get a handle i can't get a handle on my weight i can't get a handle on my energy i have no sense of joy i have no sense of of what you know this presence of god that i knew early on let's say in your walk and 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 what am i going to do you find yourself in like Paul in Romans 7 and you, you find yourself the things which I desire to do I don't do and the things that I want to do I don't want to do I do and you find yourself in this it's almost like a tug of war and some days you know what you seem to be winning and some days you ever seen you ever seen a t real tug of war fight there's this moment when the when it's obviously over and then the momentum shifts and <clears throat> excuse me and then it shifts back and it and and then that shifting you can see how advantages come and go and it's a lot like that for christians you know you go to church on a sunday you're given a pep talk you're given an encouraging word you're you know the salve the balm of gilead is applied to the wound which you call your life and you feel better about yourself and you say you know what this week god's going to be different i'm going to commit to getting up earlier or i'm going to commit to staying up later and i'm going to spend some time in your word and i'm going to i'm going to just set aside you know some time to pray and i'm going to focus on these quote spiritual things and 
uh, that's going to bring me closer to you, draw me closer to you, and then, you know what, I think I'm going to have better success. And my goal, of course, is to have a better week than I had last week. Monday turns up, you walk in, boom, five customers, you know, got the wrong order. This happened, that happened. You got an employee that's all of a sudden, you know, a key employee that's off all week, going to be sick. And boom, telephone rings, you know, the hydro bill came, it's three to your wife, it's three times higher than you guys had planned or budgeted for. And the next thing you know, more than just that funny sound your car was making on the way to work is looming in your mind. And in that situation, walking in holiness, the, you know, the spending time in prayer and Bible, it, that just fades very, very quickly. Because you have to, quote, deal with the real world, real life. And you limp through, and of course, things eventually sort of level out, and then you get back into church on a Sunday, and then, you know, bang, you, you, you start the process all over. And it's a cycle. And if anyone is listening to me, um, you know what I'm talking about. There's a cycle of, you know, there's a cycle of failure that results in a sense of, um, you know, reevaluation, which links into de redetermination, which links into a strategy, some kind of a strategy that you put in place, and then that appears to produce a sense of relief, joy, and that carries on for anywhere from, you know, a couple of days to a week and a half. And then all of a sudden you feel that resolve and you feel those things drifting. And the next thing you know, you find yourself back in failure. And I call that the cycle of defeat. And it just goes around and around and around and around. And the, the and it may go for years. It may go for years. And the defeat is almost and you're looking at that and you're saying okay so so obviously you know this is the christian life and god is somehow he's okay with it as long as i'm still in the as long as i'm still throwing you know throwing punches and still recommitting and resolving he's okay with that and that's the normal view that many Christians have. And the reason they have it is because they view the distinctiveness because they haven't made, they haven't yet resolved that, you know, God of law and God of grace. No matter what side they're on it, because here's, here's, if you're on the side of heavy law, you're going to be miserable because it's a burden that no one can carry. And if you're on the side of pure grace, you're going to have no sense of joy because you know deep down in your heart that you're not pleasing unto God. And you'll be stuck in that in-between. Okay? You'll be stuck there. So, what is the distinctiveness of the law and the distinctiveness of grace? And where do we make the disconnect? Where do we, where do we make the disconnect? And you have to understand something. As I'm sharing this, I'm fully aware, fully aware of many of the objections to it. But I always, you know, 
there's a famous quote that says, you know, with any plan, the most important part is to occasionally evaluate if it's working. And having pursued God like a great white shark, having pursued God with every ounce of my being for many, many years, what that has resulted in, <laughs> more than anything else, is having tried every single system and every every single every time someone came along with three steps to this and five steps to that and you know i uh, all of the all of the the books that you, that you have on your library in this area trust me i have read them <laughs> and um none of them worked <laughs> no, no, no they don't work they don't work, and they don't work for a reason because they, they don't, you do not battle. You're not battling where the actual battle is. You're, you're not. You're, <laughs> you're, you're using, you're using the enemy, you're using Adam's tooling. You're using Adam's tooling to try to accomplish the will of God. Because it seems to make so much sense. Thank you for joining me today on this light live. We're going to pick it up here next time, and we're going to we're going to get we move forward with what I mean when I say we're using Adam's tooling to accomplish God's will. Thank you for listening to His Light and Life. Do you have questions or want to speak with Mark? please reach out using the email in the description. We'll see you next time on His Light and Life.